Let us pray. Open our hearts, gracious one, to your truth, and open the lips of this servant of yours that the words which flow from them would be your words for your people on this, your day. Amen. You may be seated. At the beginning of the liturgy of the Word this morning, Reverend Christie introduced the Scripture reading saying, Let us hear the record of God's saving deeds in history. Let us hear the record of God's saving deeds in history. What might be another way of saying, let's hear the record? Pardon? Let me tell you the story. Okay. I'm glad that when my parents uh, tucked me into bed at night, they didn't say, we're going to tell you a bedtime hearing of the record, you know. It's a story. But what is it that makes a story a story? I know it's early. But what makes a story a story? Characters, okay. A beginning, an end, and a middle. Action. All right, there's what I'm looking for. Movement. A story has to go somewhere. It starts someplace, but it ends maybe somewhere, but there is action. There is movement. A story without movement is a statement. There's a difference. A story without movement is a statement. Now, a good story makes a statement, but a statement cannot alone be a story. You who have been here these five years that I've been with you know that I love stories. I I love to tell stories. I love to hear stories. And it's something that has been a part of me probably from my earliest childhood days. And it took place, uh, it, it was a big important part of my life with my kids growing up as well. Think about what it might have been like in your home. Do you remember statements that your parents made? You can remember statements. Careful, your face will freeze like that. <clears throat> Did you hear those kind of statements? My mother used to say things to me, and this was, you know, these were, every once in a while there are these pearls that you hold on to, you don't forget, little statements. She used to say to me in my dating years, be careful who you spend significant time with, because anyone you spend significant time with, you could fall in love with. So be careful who you spend your time with. I can remember my own children growing up, they used to love the bedtime stories. And it was my favorite thing to do as a dad, to tuck the kids in at night and tell them stories. And we would usually make up stories or adapt stories that were familiar. For instance, my youngest daughter, Angela, when we would sit in what she lovingly referred to as the cuddle chair which was a little rocking chair in her room, and I would tell her stories. We would adapt the story of the Goldilocks and the, and the three bears. It became 
Goldilocks, Angela, and the Five Bears. <laughs> About her family and each of the characters that were, took on the personality of one of her siblings or her parents. I can remember my oldest son, Chris, when he was very young. He got so accustomed to these bedtime stories that there was, there was one night, well, most nights, he could not go to sleep unless I told him a story. And I can remember very vividly, there was one night, it was, it, was, it was late, I had been in a meeting or something, I'd gotten home late, and I was just wiped out and already in bed. Maybe I wasn't even feeling well, but I was already in bed, and Chris came, pokes his head up alongside the bed and says, Dad, I need a story. And I said, Chris, how about if I tell you two stories tomorrow night? He said, no, I need a story, Dad. So I just made something up on the spot. I just said, okay, Chris, here we go. Once upon a time, there was a little ant. And that ant's name was Ant. <clears throat> and one day, Ant went to a big picnic. And he ate so much that he got real fat. And then he went home and took a long nap. The end. <clears throat> that was the story. But that satisfied him for the evening. You know, he went and he got in bed and he was fine. The next night, I'm much more refreshed and I'm ready to tell him one of the stories that we've been making up together. And he decides, no, Dad, I, I want the ant story. <clears throat> I said, what? The ant story? I almost didn't remember it. And he started to tell me the story. Well, this time, when I finished the story, he said, tell me another story. It wasn't long enough. I said, okay, once upon a time, there was a bird. And his name was Bird. There you go. You get the gist of the story. And they would, make, they would take this story and expand on it, my, my kids, as time went on. And I guess the moral of that story is... Be careful what you tell your kids, because they'll remember what you don't want them to remember, right? Those stories become stories. I am uh, very much aware that what we've been through this morning in the reading of the, the, the deeds of God in relation to the people of Israel, the story of God in relationship it is quite an up-and-down story. But there is a theme through all of these, from the very first story we read of creation to the last story that we heard this morning. There is a continuation. And it's what I want to refer to as transitional transformation. Something becoming something more. In the story of creation, there is God from nothing creating something that was very good. The second reading, there is the transition from bondage to deliverance. The third reading, from justice to mercy. And if you remember, my thoughts are not God's thoughts the transition from human thoughts to God's thoughts. The transition in the fourth reading from being unclean to being clean. From having a heart of stone to having a heart of flesh. And the last reading from being humbled to being exalted. From being shamed 
to being praised. And of course, what would Easter be without the transition from death to life that we see in the resurrection? From death to life. And there's a hint, however, in the last reading. When Jesus says, don't hold on to me because I've not yet ascended to my Father. There's a story. When you think that this is the end, there's the hint of something more. The story of God's relationship with humankind is a story because there is movement. And the story of the people of God, much like your story or my story, might contain chapters that we wish would just be written out of the book. You have chapters like that, don't you? I certainly do. But they're still a part of our story. It's a part of the movement. I'm not always comfortable with my life as a story because I'm not always sure what the next chapter is going to be. What comes next? I'm moving from something to something else, but what? And if I'm really honest or confess, I know it's Easter. We don't confess on Easter, right? But if I'm confessing, More times than not, I am more comfortable with my life being a statement than a story. I'd like my life to be a statement, like all is well. Life is good. Be at peace. I'd like those kinds of statements, and statements are important. But life is more than a statement. It is a story. And I guess if I could culminate what I'm trying to say this morning in one question to you, it would be, is your life a story or a statement? If my life is a story, then I'm maybe not comfortable, but I appreciate and understand the transition, that I am becoming something that may not be fully known yet, but I am, I am comfortable, becoming more comfortable with that transi- transition. If my life is a statement, I try to hold on with everything I've got to what I know and what is comfortable, and I resist any kind of change because I just want all to be well. I want things to be like they are. I am who I am. That's a statement. But in truth, it's a deceitful statement. Because whether I wish to stay the same or not, I won't stay the same. I am ever changing. And the story of God's relationship with God's people is one that is ever changing ever-evolving as well. Some of you have heard me say it before, but I wish if I could have been at the Council of Trent when the canons were put together, I would have added three little words at the end of the book of Revelation to be continued. Because it is an ongoing story. Not finished yet. 
Now, how do I deal with that anxiety that comes from the the unknown, the uncertainty of my story being not completely written, at least from my understanding? Though if we go back to the psalmist in Psalm 139, David writes that all of my days were ordained before one of them came to be. All of my days were written in your book before one of them came to be. When I become anxious about what the story might be that is yet yet unwritten. The lesson that we can learn from God's story of the people of Israel is that no matter what the chapter might have been written, no matter what the people of Israel might have been going through, God was still with them. Even when they didn't perceive it, God was still there. And maybe... When we struggle with our life as a story, there is a statement from our reading this morning that will bring us comfort. When God says, you will be my people and I will be your God. The same God who brought the people of Israel through all of the chapters, good and bad, and continues to write their story is the God who writes your story and mine. Would I rather my life be a statement than a story? Sometimes, yes. Would I change the story if I could? Some chapters, absolutely. But I know that the man I am is the result of all the chapters of the story of my life that have been written. And the man I will become will be the product of the stories that are still being written, the chapters that are still being written in my life. On this Resurrection Sunday, be aware. Your story isn't finished yet. But the one who began this work in you will carry it on to completion. And you can trust that the God who created you will care for you all the days of your life. Amen.